once or twice, but who's telling? But nothing compares to this blue and yellow purple hills. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Second hour of the show. Of Red Pill Hardcore Radio Show. Yeah, that's right. Getting our show on. <laughs> yeah, that was Purple Pills by Eminem. <laughs> oh, one of my favorite songs growing up. <laughs> Especially with the junk culture going on. I had some weird friends. <laughs> but now we've got an entirely different kind of drug culture we've got a do what the government says about drugs culture and that's not a pretty road from everybody who's getting set up with drugs just to get people arrested those people who who actually need rehab, it's being put in the jails. Because, I mean, that's government money, right? These facilities get more and more money the more and more people they put behind cages. The war on drugs, it's really the war on people, right? No, but here's our legal drugs There's far worse for you, far more dangerous. We'll, t- we'll test it. We'll show it to you if it's got positive results. If not, well, we're just going to give it to you anyways and lie about those positive results. Even if it <laughs> does go against all logic and your common sense, we're going to make you do it anyways. Because you were weak. You have no, you have no perseverance. You'll break down underneath what I say to you. Ah, yeah. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, I am unvaccinated, never caught COVID, and didn't wear the mask other than a few seconds at a bank, a few times. <laughs> Nobody saw fit to enforce a mask on me anywhere I went. <clears throat> so, yeah, my brain cells are still working. We can have a debate on how many of those I have. But, damn it, I promise you they're fully functional for the ones I do have. <laughs> All right, so let's... Uh, move on with the show here. Let's. Uh, so once again, I promised you, uh, Doctor John Campbell. Again, he's 
he's been very prevalent on YouTube as far as his vaccine information. Why he doesn't get shut down, I don't know. I haven't dug that deep into this material. But he's been prevalent throughout the entire COVID pandemic. So I want to hear what he has to say. So let's just go down the line here. Let's go with the first one. Uh, the road access. I want to hear this one. Go ahead. A warm welcome to today's talk, Saturday the 17th of December. Now, I'd been reading about this article in the popular press and on various social media places about a study which purported to show that people that were unvaccinated against COVID-19 were 72% more likely to be involved in a traffic accident. Now, I just assumed that this was a joke, um, but it actually turns out it's not. Uh, when I actually looked into it, it turns out that this is actually based on something that's purported uh, to be a scientific paper. Uh, and here it is. It comes largely from workers in Toronto, and it's published in the American Journal of Medicine, and it's a full scientific paper. Absolutely quite uh, incredible. And, uh, for example, here, here they're pointing out that uh, people that are of uh, no vaccine get more accidents than people that have had the, uh, the vaccine over a period of, of a month. Um, this is not a, a joke. This is actually purported to be a genuine scientific paper. And I really feel that these authors and the American Journal of uh, Medicine have done themselves no favour at all with, with, with this. Now, they do claim, of course, that the uh, the study is is a correlation. They're not saying it's causal. Um, but there is there is a but here because they actually put, put forward this diagram as well here uh, where they actually point out potential causal mechanisms. And, I, and I'm not going through this at all. It's quite weak. But while they actually say um, that this is a, a correlation study, they actually do try and give some potential causal <laughs> mechanisms. Now, it's a population study. Over 11 million people. Quite how they got the data, I don't know. You and I can't get access to the data. Of course, it's not public domain data. Um, but they give re these reasons why it's uh, good data and th that they attest to the validity of this data. So I think we can accept that. But um, pity that it's not op open to uh, public uh, access, therefore peer review. Um, Talking about peer review, it really makes me wonder what the peer reviewers were thinking when they looked at this article. Uh, but there's a, there's a few factors. So 72% more likely to have a, an accident if you are unvaccinated. In other words, vaccination against COVID is protecting against uh, against uh, accidents, according to this, this line of thinking. But th there's a few things to look at, and I'm going to look at this in quite a lot of detail. Uh, but not in this short video. This is just a bit of an introduction. So in Canada in 2021, when this data is referring to, uh, people that were unvaccinated weren't allowed to use public transport, uh, a lot of public transport in Canada anyway, planes, trains, uh, buses. So they were forced to rely on uh, cars. So they were going to be travelling more. And the unvaccinated, it turns out, in Ontario were more likely to work. Uh, sorry, the vaccinated in Ontario were more likely to work remotely. So people that were unvaccinated were more likely to have to travel in to work. And again, I've got evidence for this that's in the description.
So, for example, over 65s uh, had a very low accident rate, uh, but of course they don't uh, commute. They, they, they don't commute to work. Now, it turns out that this data, and they look at over 6,000 accidents, includes drivers, passengers and pedestrians. So are they seriously trying to make the point that COVID vaccination protects protest pedestrians against road traffic accidents? It really is a bit uh, is a bit bizarre. And there was nearly as many pedestrians involved in the study as there were drivers as well as passengers. Um, now, they, they classed people unvaccinated uh, for 14 days after the vaccination. But the study only lasted for one month. So, so if, if people, if people had, had been vaccinated, uh, they were classed as unvaccinated for 14 days after, uh, after the vaccination. Now, um, this, this could completely, all you would need is about six, at most 700 people to have been misclassified out of this over 6,000. And that would completely invalidate this data, utterly, completely invalidate the results. Um, another thing that's slightly more disturbing, really, deaths at scene, when people died at the scene, were excluded. And this actually works out that it excludes 84% of the deaths in the study. Now, it, some people might think it's a bit convenient that they uh, excluded deaths at the scene, because sometimes the road traffic accident is caused by uh, a medical emergency. So, for example, j j just say, for example, if someone, uh, a driver had myocarditis, for example, uh, and that caused a, a spontaneous ventricular fibrillation, a cardiac arrest, and that would cause the accident. And the person would be dead at scene, that their body may well be traumatised, but the cause of death would actually have occurred before the accident because of the cardiac arrest. They were excluded uh, from the study completely excluded from the study. I'll leave you to draw your own conclusions from that. Now, under-vaccinated percentage in populations is usually uh, underestimated. So unvaccinated is usually underestimated. Uh, or people vaccinated normally overestimated. And now that means that the rate of anything will appear higher or overestimated in people that are unvaccinated. So it doesn't matter what it is if you're comparing vaccinated and unvaccinated. So you could have, um, you could say that people, um, people who are unvaccinated have a greater liking for porridge in the morning or whatever. So because the unvaccinated percentage is usually underestimated and the vaccinated percentage is usually overestimated, the rate of anything will appear higher or overestimated in the unvaccinated, in this case, road traffic accidents. And the rate of anything will appear uh, underestimated in the vaccinated. So really, uh, quite a, um, an amusing study if it wasn't so if it wasn't so serious uh, that this actually gets into the medical literature. Really, is uh, quite uh, bemusing. And that's just a very quick romp through that. Um, I'll just point out some of the factors that the the authors uh, suggested. Uh, they suggested uh, distrusting government uh, might be a factor. In other words, people that distrusted government were more likely to be involved in road traffic accidents, as well as more less likely to be vaccinated. Um, some people might think that's offensive. Um, belief in freedom might be a factor. This awful thing, this belief in freedom, dearie me. Imagine believing in freedom, but that might be a factor that makes people less likely to be vaccinated and more likely. So people that believe in freedom are more likely to be involved in road traffic accidents. 
Okay, uh, misconceptions of everyday risk that they are uh, purporting as an idea. They don't talk about vaccine risk, they're talking about COVID risk, of course. Uh, people that have faith in natural protection <laughs> are less likely to be vaccinated, according to their thinking, and uh, more likely to be involved in a uh, traffic accident. Uh, faith in natural protection. Antipathy towards regulation, chronic poverty is another factor they uh, propose. Again, saying this makes people less likely to be vaccinated, more likely to be involved in an accident. Exposure to misinformation, political identity. So are they really saying that your political identity influences your likelihood of being involved in a road traffic accident? Is that really what they're purporting here? And this is this is in the published medical literature. It really is quite incredible. Negative past experience, limited health literacy. So all you stupid people out there who have got low uh, uh, health literacy, it appears that you're more likely to be involved in road traffic accidents because you don't realise that when a tonne and a half of metal hits your body, it can do some damage. It's just incredible that this has made the literature. Um, social networks, misgiving around public health guidelines... So people that have misgivings amongst public health guidelines really don't seem to think it's a problem to walk out in front of a car. Dear me. Uh, primary care physicians who wish to help patients to avoid traffic accident statistics could take this opportunity, they say, to stress standard reminders such as wearing seatbelts, obeying speed limits and never drinking alcohol. So if you're going to drive, let me give you some advice. Wear a seatbelt, don't exceed the speed limit, oh, and don't drink and drive. Groundbreaking stuff. Um, paramedics should be aware that unvaccinated patients are overrepresented in the aftermath of a traffic crash. So all these these people that are unvaccinated are, are really big dangers to paramedics here, according to this thinking. And they actually talk about this affecting driver insurance policies in the future. So because of this groundbreaking research, we now realise that people that are unvaccinated against COVID-19 are more likely to have road traffic accidents. Therefore, we should increase their insurance premiums. Are they really saying this? Anyway, that's just a few things about that. I'm going to look at it in a bit more detail because I'm aware I haven't given my full uh, sort of uh, level of evidence. So we'll be giving all the references for this. But I'm going to do that as a separate video because it is quite complicated. But there, there we go. Um, needless to say, we don't accept the, <laughs> the, uh, this contention that uh, COVID-19 is uh, associated with uh fairly to take covid 19 vaccine is associated with increased risk of road traffic accident and uh it's done the medical literature and the credibility of science no good at all in my view that this has been published so we'll leave that there for now um the next i'm going to do this in detail uh, straight away while it's all still fresh in my head if you want to watch it do check out the next video for okay. all the detail okay. for now yes so <laughs> uh Oh, oh boy. I, I I literally feel like I feel like the world isn't the world I grew up in. I feel like I, I'm in a Warner Brothers cartoon. Like there's somebody writing and scripting reality. Or or this cartoon that we're in. Because it's not real. It's not real. But yet, this is the pro-vaccine propaganda that's put out. 
Anybody with a brain can read that and just understand that's not based in reality at all, whatsoever. It's not real. Written by a science fiction novelist, probably handed over to some bought-off journalist, and then published it. It's not real. I don't want to know about some uh, potential correlation between uh, pedestrians being hit by cars on the streets uh, 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 and, and its relationship to COVID-19. I want to know why people are dropping dead. Myocarditis. Healthy young people dropping dead. Can we find a correlation there, please? Government, official scientific institutions. Magicians. Terrible magicians at that. Sleight of hand. Hey, look at this hand, look at this hand. While the other hand is behind her back doing stuff. I, I don't care. I get your hand out my face. What you got behind you? That's the mentality that we all need to have, or else the wool is going to be constantly pulled over your friggin' eyes. That's true. I mean, I it just completely just. I mean, that it, it's fantasy. It's not real. You want to talk about scientific uh, uh, and medical literacy? You can read that and probably conclude that that is some kind of eighth grade uh, hypothesis for some kind of school experiment. It is absolutely ridiculous the, the crap they will put out there for pro-vaccine propaganda. How bad does the vaccine have to be to where you have to come up with cartoonish scenarios, public, officially, in, in, in official journals, to make us want this crap? Vaccines. I mean, there's sugarcoating, and then there's just blatant lies. Blatant, blatant lies. I'm so tired of hearing about the boogeyman in the closet to make me go to sleep. The boogeyman is not even there. Oh, if you don't, if you don't close your eyes, the boogeyman will get you. I'm so sick of it. So many of you out there want a nanny government. Parent government. And this is what it is. You wanted it, now you got it. I'm going to stay on the side of those people who want their freedom. 
don't need mommy daddy government okay be a man so sick of the wussifying effect their society's going through Yeah, let's talk about the the medical, scientific, psychological programming. Making people... (laughs) I'm not even going to say it. (laughs) Put stuff in the water. Make the freaking frogs gay. Alright, anyways... Uh, we're gonna skip the next commercial break. Let's get to this next uh, clip, please. I'm anxious. Well, welcome to this talk. Now we're going to be looking at a case today of damage to the brain and damage to the myocardium after COVID nineteen vaccination. But the question is: Is this damage to the brain and heart caused by the uh, the vaccine, or is it caused by the natural infection? Well, we actually found out, or the researchers in this study found out, that the damage in the brain and the heart was caused by the vaccine, not the infection. Because they only found the spike protein in the brain and in the heart. The spike protein had actually been produced, they believe, we believe, by the cells in the brain and the heart. As the RNA circulated around the brain and the heart, these cells produced the spike protein and that caused the inflammatory reaction that caused the damage. If it had been natural infection, there would have been spike protein and nucleocapsid protein. And actually the nucleocapsid protein is the most abundant protein produced by the virus, so there would have been loads of it. So we can say definitively that this damage was caused by vaccine not by the uh, natural infection. Let's have a look at the proof for that now. So here we see the SARS coronavirus 2 virus that we're familiar with, the spike protein here, of course. Now, the spike protein can occur on the virus itself or the spike protein is also generated by the vaccine. But the nucleocapsid protein is inside. It's associated with the RNA, the actual ribonucleic acid of the of the virus and the uh, nucleocapsid protein is only found in the virus it's never generated by uh, a vaccine so if you see spike protein on its own that means it's vaccine if you see spike protein and nucleocapsid protein it means it's natural viral infection that's the difference between the two now in this first slide we're looking at the uh, the frontal part of the brain and we can see patches of uh, degeneration and uh, inflammation. On this next picture, we can actually see acute brain damage as well. Uh, whenever there's a one, that's a death of a nerve cell, neuronal death. And two is microglial infiltration. These are the defense cells in the brain. And three are lymphocytes, which are associated with viral infection. And of course, all of these are pathological findings. None of them should be there. Now, going on to the heart, this is a myocarditis that we're seeing here. And we won't look at everything, but the fives, where there's five, that's cardiomyocyte. That's the myocardial cells that have uh, degenerated in those areas. And the other numbers represent other 
pathological findings, things that should simply not be there. Now, this one here is zonal activation, activation of microglial cells. So here we see these microglial defense. These are macrophage type cells in the brain in this affected zone here. And I think we can see the clear border between the two, between the uh, the infected zone or the affected zone with the inflammatory response and the clear zone without the inflammatory response. Now, this is in the frontal brain as well. Now, these brown bits here, when you see the brown bits, okay, 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 okay. these Hold brown on, bits on, are uh, spike protein. Spike. So we see spike protein in the right. front part of the brain. And uh, we see it there again. Uh, this is in a different part of the brain. This is in one of the nuclei of the brain. And the brown is the spike protein, and this is also inflamed. So it's clear that there is spike protein here in the brain. But using exactly the same technique, this is in the frontal lobe of the brain. Uh, okay, you know what? I think I'm going to save that clip again for when I start doing the video cast of the show. I didn't know there was so much visual information, but we did get the information that we needed out of that. Uh, spike proteins plus other stuff means natural, but just spike proteins is vaccine. We got it. Uh, it's too late to take a uh, commercial break. <laughs> if so, I'll keep going. Okay. I, okay. Yeah, let's take a quick break. Let's regroup here. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Are you one of the millions of people who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs? For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try Hemp Paste for the price of a cup of coffee. HempPaste.com slash RBN. Free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at RepublicBroadcasting.org and visit HempPaste.com slash RBN. Homeowners, if your lender has gone out of business or sold your transaction to another lender or servicer, you may be the victim of a wrongful foreclosure resulting in the loss of your home. If you've already lost your home, are in foreclosure, or even in good standing, you can challenge the mortgage transaction's illegal issue and your property can be restored to you, and your foreclosure can be stopped or reversed and the mortgage transaction declared unenforceable. State laws, U.S. title codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes, and U.S. Supreme Court rulings have upheld that defective mortgage documentations can reverse or stop foreclosures and enforce property title claims in favor of the homeowner. 
owner. We are having successes in stopping the process of foreclosure, the enforcement of the foreclosure judgments, the sale of property, and evictions after the sale. We are not attorneys, and we don't give legal advice. We are a professional team of legal researchers, providing forensic mortgage audits and expert witnesses. We have the knowledge to produce the evidence and enforce laws regarding your legal issues. We've been in business for 12 years without a complaint. Consultations are free, and we provide a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Please call 855-253-3748. 855-THE-NUMBER-2. Keep it today. My name is John. I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee, it's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumer's house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee, you have to try ours. It's fresh roasted, it's one of the best beans that we can get, and you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. For the nookie, for the nookie. And by the way, um, my offer still stands. If you've seen my social media, um, I have uh, sperm for sale. Sperm for sale. <laughs> yes, a hundred percent pure human. All right. Never caught COVID, unvaccinated, have IQ of 172, uh, <laughs> as you see I'm a businessman and a media personality, uh, combat martial arts expert, so, uh, and it's just looking gorgeous, so you want to talk about grade A, if you want to get that artificial insemination going, I'll give you a premium price. <laughs> I need to create a commercial for RBN. Sell <laughs> some vitamin V. <laughs> ah, yes. Anyways, all right, we're gonna we're gonna end with a banger here. Let's. Let's go ahead and go further into uh, Dr. John Campbell. Well, a warm welcome to this talk. It's Tuesday, the 28th of March. Now, 
In healthcare, everything we do is a risk-benefit analysis. We know that all treatments have got potential risks. Of course, we know this. Any treatment that can be effective has a potential risk. Homeopathy is quite safe because you're giving no uh, active doses. But other than that, there's a risk. And we're always doing a balancing act. And the thing is, has the risk-benefit analysis for any particular treatment, doesn't matter what it is, has it changed over time as new evidence accumulates? Now, I want to give you some completely factual information here, and you can't argue with this because it's, it's a simple matter of fact. And it, it's, it's, it's here. Uh, this is the UK Vaccine Injuries Group called the Vaccine Damage Payment Scheme, VDPS, of course in the United Kingdom. And um, there's the official website there. You can check it out for yourself. And they've increased their amount of administrative, wor administrative workers from four, up to, uh, from four up to 80. So um, you can have any medical opinion you want about anything. That doesn't alter the objective fact that the number of administrators working for this department has increased from four to 80. That is an 80-fold increase. So whenever I say anything, I get lots of uh, abuse and uh, comeback online. Uh, no one can come back on that. It's a simple, it's a simple fact. Um, and, and personally, I find it a, quite a perturbing fact, and I, I'm sure many of you do uh, as well. Let's go on and look at some of the information relating to this. So 20-fold increase... Increasing demand for COVID vaccine injury payments. This is why this is happening. This is why they've increased it. This is what the government have said. Now, the government could be wrong, of course, but this is what, this is what the government have said. Um, and uh, they've got a project to digitalise it now because it's getting too much uh, administrative work for those involved. Now, this is directly from the government website. If you're... Severely disabled as a result of vaccination against certain diseases. You could get a one-off tax-free payment of £120,000, which I guess is about 130000 US dollars This is directly from the UK government website, so you can't argue with this. This is called a vaccine damage payment. And I'm able to talk about this because it's straight from the government website. You can also apply for this payment on behalf of someone who has died as a result of becoming severely disabled because of certain vaccinations. You could get a payment if you're severely disabled and your disability was caused by vaccination against any of the following diseases. So any of these following diseases here. Now these are the diseases on the list. Now the coronavirus is the first treatment on the list. Now there's another list of vaccines here, many of which I've given personally. Diphtheria, human, human papillomavirus, influenza, measles, meningococcal, lots of different vaccines there. But um, the coronavirus one is at the top of the list. Now, it's impossible for me not to note here that the coronavirus vaccines are of a completely different type to vaccines, any of the other vaccines on the list. All of these other vaccines on the list, you're either giving an attenuated form of the antigen or you're giving a toxoid of the antigen. 
with a SARS coronavirus 2 vaccine, the body is producing its own antigen, either through the adenovirus vector route or through the messenger RNA route. So it's a fundamentally different modality of antigen presentation to the body, as far as I can see. And yet they're all included in this same, in this same list here. Um, but there we go. These are the list of vaccines for which the payment applies. As we say, I would have thought two completely different categories of vaccination, but there you go. Uh, the government website goes on. You may also better get a payment if you're severely disabled because your mother was vaccinated against one of the diseases in the list while she was pregnant. Um, now, I don't have anything more to say on that at the moment. We'll have to wait for further evidence to uh, arise. But that's what the government... This is directly from the government website. What counts as severely disabled? Dis uh, disablement is worked out as a percentage, and severe disablement means at least 60% disabled. Now, what does this mean, 60% of what? Clearly, there is quite a bit of a subjectivity in here, but we are talking about significant levels of, of disability to trigger this payment. This could be mental or physical disablement and will be based on medical evidence from the doctors or hospitals involved in your treatment directly from the site. Now, this is the Horsefield Claimant Group. This is a completely separate site now. This is a group of patients and families now taking legal action against AstraZeneca after they suffered injury or bereavement as a result of complications from COVID vaccine. Here's their website here and here's their like uh, logo on the top of it. So this is this group making this claim. Now they're making this under the Consumer Protection Act of 1987. Now I'm not a legal person at all uh, but clearly it looks like uh, lawyers have worked uh, are working on workarounds because orig originally we thought that the vaccine uh, manufacturers were indemnified against prosecution but let, let's just say this is going to be going on for uh, I would imagine this is going to be going on for the next decade. It's going to be a very um, yeah, there's going to be some um, legal activity going on for some period of time, unfortunately, related to this matter, I strongly suspect. And uh, that's very unfortunate indeed. But this is this group representing 13 bereaved families, 28 survivors, vaccine-induced thrombosi thrombocytic thrombocytopenia. So thrombocytic just means related to um, thrombus. <coughs> thrombus is simply a blood clot in a blood vessel where there shouldn't be one. And... Uh, this is what these patients are suffering from. I guess this is kind of a, a test case sort of thing that they're doing here. As we say, under this Consumer Protection Act. Now, what they're arguing, they're astra arguing that the AstraZeneca vaccine, and this is about the AstraZeneca vaccine. We don't want to conflate the, the different vaccines. Of course, we're not giving it anymore. Uh, it did occur to me, though, that the AstraZeneca vaccine is essentially the same as the one produced by the Serum Institute in Pune in India. And uh, this has been massively used in India and other countries. So the implications of this are still absolutely immense, even though we're not using the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine at the moment in the UK because uh, because now why was it? Um, um, oh, that's right. Um, the British Heart Foundation told us it was because the other vaccines are more effective. That's why we've changed. Because the other ones are more effective. That's that's what they say. Uh, you might think it's because the AstraZeneca was far too dangerous, but that, that, that will be just you thinking aloud. Um, now, so saying the vaccine was uh, defective, not as safe as individuals went out to expect. So this seems a different approach uh, 
that they uh, seem to be launching this action against AstraZeneca um, under different criteria. I think safe to say we can expect actions against other pharmaceutical groups which could be uh, mentioned. This could be really quite messy. Um, we, we don't really know what's going to happen there. It's, uh, th this is the, the, the vaccine-induced uh, thrombo vaccine-induced uh, thrombocytic thrombocytopenia. Sorry, it's halfway through explaining that, wasn't it? The thrombocytopenia is the, um, the, the lack of the, the, the platelets, the thrombocytes of the platelets. So you get this clotting, and then as a result of that, uh, you've no platelets left, so you have hemorrhagic bleeding complications. It's like it, there's a similar condition in intensive care called DIC, disseminated intravascular coagulation, where you use up all your clotting factors. And because you've used up all your clotting factors, the blood can't clot. So you get a combination of clots, the disseminated intravascular coagulation, blood clotting in the blood vessels. But also because you use up all your clotting factors, or in this case, use up all the platelets, um, or most of the platelets, then you get this, this uh, hemorrhagic problem on top of it as well. So interestingly, going under this Consumer Protection Act, um, VIT is now established as a causative link in the AstraZeneca vaccine, according to the Housefield uh, website. Of course, we couldn't, uh, we couldn't possibly comment on that, but that's, that's what they're saying. There's a causative link between the vaccine and this vaccine-induced thrombotic thrombocytopenia, according to the, uh, the website and certain others. Indeed. Um, now, 80% um, fatality rate for those that are sufficiently unfortunate to get this VIT condition. 18% fatality rate, which is pretty high for those unfortunate enough to get this condition. Now, why the heck does everything have to come from Freedom of Information Acts? Why can't people just give us information? Why can't the government just say, look, this is what we know? You know, it's our government, for goodness sake. We are the people. Government should be of the people, for the people, by the people. Not, not for the people, of the people, only mediated through Freedom of Information requests. Quite unacceptable. But there you go, that's where we have, that's what we have. Freedom of information request. Um, 4,017 claims submitted since November the 1st for vaccine injury. And the payment scheme has been taken over by this group of the uh, health service workers that apparently deal in this sort of thing. Uh, 334 related to a claimant who has died. Now, of course, we're not claiming that the vaccines could possibly cause death. I'm purely reporting from a government freedom of information request that um, 334 claims have been submitted. Now, the claims are decided on what's called balance of probability, which I guess does make sense. Patients' medical records and all scientific evidence is taken into account. Now, I do get the feeling this is getting through now to official circles, at least in the United Kingdom. And we will be looking at the implications for the United States, which are huge. But Richard Sunak's wading into this with the usual political speak that we would expect. I can't even be bothered reading it out. But, you know, he's, he's, he's aware of the problem. And, um, yeah, he's aware of the problem. So I think there is increasing awareness now that this is an issue, uh, as evidenced there by the Prime Minister. Now, this is from one of the articles in The Telegraph. Miss Sheila Ward, um, Mrs. Sheila Ward tragically lost her husband, Stephen, at 57. Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine, March 2021. Mr. Ward was otherwise healthy. Headache after a few days, taken to hospital, treated for stroke, blood clots on the brain. Sadly, uh, left us and coroner certificate to vaccine as one of the causes. 
So that's one view of one coroner, of course. Uh, for anyone who has been left with a lifelong disability or young children, it simply wouldn't be enough to replace someone's income, the £120,000. Uh, Ms Split is, is uh, looking after is, uh, one of the patient help groups looking after this. The 60% disability criteria is a really big issue, she says, because so many people are left with nothing after being severely disabled, have life-changing disabilities. You're just not interested enough. Now, that's a direct quote from the, uh, the Telegraph. I'm sure it's meant to say uh, you're just not injured enough to qualify. So someone who is only uh, disabled by 59%, uh, wouldn't qualify for the uh, wouldn't qualify for the payment. So um, centres for disease control in the states, um, vaccine safety and monitoring. Covid vaccines were developed using science that has been around for decades. Now you might have thought that the adenovirus vector vaccines and in the states the messenger RNA vaccines, although the Johnson and Johnson was a, from what I remember an adenovirus vector. You might have thought this was the first time this had been used. I must say, I thought this was the first time that mRNA technology had been used as a vaccine, but apparently we're all wrong um, because the, uh, the CDC, which we can't disagree with, uh, says that the science has been around for decades. So the CDC is saying this science has been around for decades. The first time these vaccines were used in the United Kingdom was early 2021. But the science has been around for decades. Some of you might think the CDC is being disingenuous there. But of course, we can't disagree because it's a government agency. So that's what they're saying. Uh, COVID vaccines are safe, according to the Centre for Disease Control, taken from their website not an hour ago. And meet the Food and Drug Administration's blah, 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 blah. Effectiveness, manufacturing quality. COVID vaccines are effective at preventing some severe illness from COVID-19 and limiting the spread of the virus that caused it. Now, you might have thought that COVID vaccination has minimal, if any, effect for any period of time uh, preventing the spread of COVID-19. You might have thought that. I might have thought that. But hey, we're both wrong. Because the CDC states here in black and white, taken from their website, not an hour ago, uh, that, and I've made a note, note uh, and limiting the spread of the virus that causes it. This is the CDC. <laughs> this is the CDC on Tuesday, the 28th of March, 2023, saying that COVID vaccine prevents the spread of COVID-19. That's what it says. It prevents the spread of COVID-19. That's what they say on their website today. And we can't argue with it. It must be right because it's on the CDC website. So there we go. Uh, make a note of that. The vaccine prevents the spread. Unbelievable. Because I thought it didn't really prevent the spread. But there you go. Can't be right all the time. So that's what they're saying. Uh, groups recommended for vaccination in the States. That's the original bit from the CDC. COVID vaccine is recommended for everyone ages six months and older in the United States for the prevention of COVID-19. So despite what's going on in the UK, despite us increasing the staff in the uh, UK vaccine injuries office from four to 80, 80 workers now dealing with these issues, uh, the Centers for Disease Control is still recommending vaccination for everyone over the age of six months.
The CDC is currently recommending that all seven-month-old children in the United States get vaccinated against COVID-19. That's what the CDC is recommending. Um, We can't say it's wrong because it's the CDC. You might think it's utterly, utterly preposterous, strange, bizarre, whatever you want to say, that the CDC is recommending that we vaccinate children under the age of a year. Still, given everything that we know, as well as everything else, But that's what the CDC website is saying uh, today. Maybe we can look forward to the CDC website being updated in the near future. So there we go. No matter what your views on vaccination, you can't argue with the fact that we have now got 80 people dealing with this issue when before we had four people dealing with this issue. Uh, That is uh, a simple statement of fact. Of course, maybe these 80 people are just spending all day reading magazines and playing on their phones because there's nothing to do. How could we possibly know? Maybe the government have just decided to employ 76 extra people to be uh, benevolent and uh, um, yeah, just, just give them something to do. Who knows? I'm going to leave it there, as always. Uh, okay. Thank you for watching. Yeah. Leave it there. Yeah. So, this is amazing. Vaccine injury staff increased 20-fold. And they're still talking about putting stuff in the children. Which is... I mean, they they can't go as far as... uh, recommending pregnant women get it because of the studies that have come out with the high levels of stillbirths and defects, right? I'm glad that these feds don't have this down to an exact science set because the purpose of putting this nano, this nanotechnology, okay, because you have nano aluminum, the adjuvant, and other things in there. Uh, it, it's a nano bio cocktail. The point of putting it into a pregnant woman is to control and monitor the growth of the baby. Now, when I told you about the NSA's remote neural monitoring, they can only do it to a population that is saturated with nano aluminum in their brains. So that's the number one requisite of of how to be within the NSA's remote neural monitoring project. You and I, as adults, we're in it, okay? I I believe even most teenagers are in it. They've had enough saturation and enough frequency bombardment, even small children at this point. However, you're talking about the government that wants complete control. And that means from conception. They want it at conception. So, yes, if you're a fertile woman, definitely go get the vaccine. Uh, 
If you get pregnant, make sure you get the vaccine again. And they'll be bombarding your uterus with 5G, Wi-Fi, doing nanofluidics. That's the science. Look it up. Nanofluidics that could shape and design the baby right in your womb. That was their ultimate goal with with some of this, but they couldn't get it. I know a lot of women did do this, but most did not. Thank God. But, of course, a child who's still uh, developing, six months old, still developing, hey, we can kind of get in there. We get as close as possible to completely control how this individual is going to turn out. Completely control the personality. Completely control the mind of these individuals. Now, we've seen the big screw-up with the previous set of vaccines, right? All these autistic people coming out with a, a different operating system in their brains. They're trying to ref, uh, refine the technology. They're trying. I'm sure they get a much better results in their secret labs. But we have a thing called choice up here, and, and that adds so many more variables and not as much control. So I, I just have to put the covert secret spin on it of what's really going on. As much as a doctor can tell you, I can tell you much more what it's really all about. But anyways, guys, we'll talk more about the stuff tomorrow. We come to the end of the show. Yes, that's right. It's been another episode of the Red Pill Hardcore Real Show. I'm your host, B. And remember, in the land of surveillance, the man with third eyes king. So educate yourselves. Let me ask you something. When my wife's father has introduced me to Stogies, what is she going to say? Next time, Hold on. What is best in life? Crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and they hear the lamentation of their women. That is good. That is good. Tune in next time to Redfield Hardcore. Standing six foot four, weighing in 245 pounds of crime fighting, political science, analyzing brawn. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Patrick Slattery. So, Mike, get off this anti cicada agenda. I'm a born again traditional Christian. 
And my favorite possessions are right here on my nightstand. That would be the King James Bible and my 357 revolver. I'd rather be ruled by Chinamen than Jews. Cool it with the anti-Semitic remarks, right? Just because you steal an election and terminate the republic doesn't mean you terminate the people in the republic, because we're still here. I'm not taking the vaccine. Fuck you, Bill Gates. There was a way forward still on January 6th. What needed to be done is to object to every single state. The COVID-19 virus was the setup. The vaccine could very well be a bioweapon. The Patrick and Jeremy Show. Tuesday at 9 Central and Wednesday at 1 Central. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.